You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk Church. How is everybody doing today? So good to see all of you, those of you watching with us online. Thanks so much for joining us today. Of this, I am certain the Lord is in this place this morning, and he's wanting to move on our hearts and lives so that we leave here changed by the power of his Holy Spirit that is at work within us. And So today has already been a great day, as we've talked about, and I am excited about today's guest speaker. He is not a stranger to all of you. Um, he is, during the time that I've been here as pastor, um, he has been to fill this pulpit the most out of anyone. And um, he is one of my very best friends in the entire world. And uh, we shared an office together for three years um, when we were on staff together at a church in Georgia. And so he has seen me at my best, and he has definitely seen me at my worst. And he's got all the nitty gritty details of those things and could tell you things to hang over my head and all of those things. But we talk a lot about having those kinds of people like in your circle, you know, like the people that you go to. And um, Trevor is certainly one of those people for me. In fact, usually whenever um, life rears its ugly head or ministry rears its ugly head and I'm faced with a challenge, he's typically the first text or phone call that I make. And I am so, so excited to have him and his wife Lauren here, and Trevor is going to be bringing the word for us this morning. So uh, I want you guys to give a nice, warm Christ walk welcome to Pastor Trevor Heinemann as he makes his way to the stage. You're right, when you move that TV quickly, it does make a lot of noise. It's a good thing you gave that warning earlier. If you hear the TV later, it's because it was rolled fast when they take it off. But hey, I'm really glad to be here. Like Pastor Blake said, my name is Trevor. I am honored to stand on this platform. Um, Pastor Blake, thank you for entrusting me enough with the people that I know you love a whole lot to stand before them, to stand on the spot that you stand on a pretty regular basis. Um, You stand here almost every week. Sometimes you are here, right? Last week you were on this TV or the big screen? Big screen. So last week he was back there um, going to a family wedding, I believe, in Tennessee. And so, but man, I'm really honored that you would trust me enough to stand where you stand. Thank you so much. For Pastor Blake and his wife, Sarah, and Luke and Avery, their kids, they're some of the best people I know. Um, He really is one of my best friends. I call him all the time, probably more than he wants me to. Um, He calls me sometimes. I don't really know what that means. Um, But man, I love anytime he does call me. I know it's going to be a great story. And usually what our conversations are around is he's telling me something incredible about the people that attend church here. It's never about this place. It's never about this community. It's never about his home. It's never about anything other than like he's telling me a story of God doing something in or through the life of one of you. And so for many of you, whether I meet you today, I ever meet you or anything, I've probably heard your name because your pastor loves to talk about you and loves to brag about you. And I've heard nothing but good things about any of you other than Lois. And so I'm just, I'm just totally kidding. 
I'm totally kidding. Is Lois in the room? Is she in here? She's back there. She's one of my favorite people. I'm kind of disappointed she's not sitting right up front because she's always like really excited anything anybody says. And so she's incredible people. But man, I love being here. I love to be able to talk to you today. Thanks for allowing me the opportunity. And he does have one thing that he said is true is I got a lot of dirt on him. Um, we did share an office for a long time. I, uh, on Facebook Memories, which is an incredible thing, it popped up not too long ago, um, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, where me and Blake had gone with another coworker who had to go buy a suitcase. He was going on a trip, and he was trying to figure out, this other coworker was trying to figure out how large the bag was and if it would hold all of his stuff. And he's talking and looking at one other bag. And we turn back around, and Pastor Blake has crawled into this suitcase in the middle of this store to just show him it's large enough for a human body, so it's probably big enough. And I've got a picture of Pastor Blake sitting in this suitcase, laughing in the middle of Sears like an idiot. And it was incredible. And so I love being able to come and to see him and to brag about him. And today we're going to be continuing a series that he started two weeks ago called Blessed. I think that's what's on the screen behind me. And so we're going to be diving into that today. And so go ahead and turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm really blessed to be able to sit next to you today. Tell your neighbor, I'm blessed to sit next to you today. Now turn to the person that you didn't choose and tell them, you're really blessed to sit next to me today. Because you all had someone you picked and the other person you don't like as much or you may not even know them or what, but you've got one person that you're like, man, I'm really blessed to sit next to this person. But we're all blessed, right? We all go through hardships of life. We all have difficult things that we deal with. We all have things that happen, sickness and death and disease and financial turmoil and marriage problems. These are all things that every one of us struggle with and go through from one time to another. But at the end of the day, for the most part, we all live relatively blessed lives. We live in an incredible country. Like You woke up this morning and you were free to come to church, which is a blessing in and of itself. You woke up this morning and you could go to the sink and you could fill a glass of water and it was clean enough for you to drink. Now we're in Florida, the water tastes a little funny here, but it's still clean enough to drink. That's not the reality of every person that wakes up in our world today. You had clean water, you woke up and you live in a beautiful part of the country. I'm here because I'm on vacation where you live. That's why I'm here. I'm leaving here and I'm going back and I'm spending the week at the beach not far from here. Because you live in a beautiful place. You're blessed where you live. You're blessed with the life that you have. And I think for all of us, we live really blessed lives. And sometimes we overlook that. And sometimes we miss some of the blessings that life has right before us. And so today I want to talk to you and continue this series talking about the idea of blessed. We're blessed with our life. But I think not only that, but we're blessed because of what happened when God sent his son Jesus to die for us. While he was here, he taught us some pretty incredible things. And so today we're going to look at one of those. We've been in Matthew during this series. So if you've got your Bible, you've got your smartphone, whatever you want to look at, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to spend our time today. And so this is the opportunity that if you pretend to read your Bible on your phone and you really scroll through social media, like no one knows the difference from this point forward because everybody else is looking at their Bible. So go for it. If that's you, I'm not going to judge. That's between you and God. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 is where we're at today. 
And so when somebody's there, say, I got it. All right, there's enough of you. That's good. Matthew 5, verse 5, it says this. It says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Before we go anywhere else, I want to read to you what Webster defines the word meek to be. Webster is a place that for most of you, if you look anything up other than Google, Webster's the second place that any of us go. And these are some of the definitions that Webster has, and I found them to be interesting. The first is enduring injury with patience and without resentment. The second is deficient in spirit and courage. And the third is not violent or strong. Now, these are pretty interesting definitions. And if we just looked at this word, if I got to be honest, I don't really know that I want to be these things. Like, I don't know that I want to not be strong. I mean, Pastor Blake's looking swole these days. Like, I don't know that I don't, I don't want to not be strong. Like, deficient in spirit and courage. That doesn't sound like something I want to be. Enduring injury. Like, I don't like to be injured. Like, I'm a guy, like, we don't have a good pain tolerance at all. I got an amen from like three women whose husbands have a man cold right now. <laughs> but we don't like to, to be injured. We, wanna have, we don't want to not have to deal with these things. And so Jesus is telling us, blessed are the meek. And this sounds a little confusing, right? But I think today, rather than looking at Webster's definition for the word meek, I really want to just turn to Scripture. And what does God's word talk about when it talks about what does it look like to be a meek person, that that person will inherit the earth? And so that's what we're going to do today. If we can, before we jump in, let's just go to God in prayer together. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for allowing us to come and to meet in this incredible building and with these incredible people. God, speak to us through me through your word that you sent to us thousands of years ago. God, thank you for scripture. Thank you for what it means to our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Anybody ever met someone that likes to talk a lot? A couple people? And it's not nice. Don't everybody look at Pastor Blake. Don't, it's just not kind. <laughs> but we all know someone. If you didn't raise your hand, that's because it's you and no one else can get a word in. But I'm someone who's always a talker. I love to talk. I always have something to say. I've told my wife a million times, I've got an opinion on everything. And I don't mind telling someone my opinion. Like I love to talk. I can talk to that wall for an hour if I needed to. Like I can carry on a conversation and I love to be able to talk and I love to be in the middle of things. And I've never been the quiet person. I've always been the person that jumps right into the middle of everything because I love to talk. And so this idea of being meek is one that as I've studied it, it has challenged me over the last couple of weeks. And so I want to spend some time today, not looking in Matthew chapter five, but taking this idea of blessed are the meek and going to the Old Testament and looking at a man named Moses. Moses is in story that is a, a large chunk of scripture, and he plays a very vital role in the narrative of the story that is written throughout the Bible. And so Moses, we're going to read this in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. It says this of Moses. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone on the face of the earth. Now that's something that I'd be okay with people saying about me, right? Like, man, Trevor's humble. Like, that would be an incredible thing. More humble than anyone else on the face 
of the earth. Now read this. This, that was the NIV version. Now read the ESV version, which is very similar, but a little different. It says, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. So if this man is more meek than anyone else on the face of the earth, I think that this is a really good place for us to turn when Jesus says, blessed are the meek. And so let's look at the life of Moses together. And as I've read the life of Moses and I've studied it, there's kind of three ideas and three principles that stood out to me in the life of Moses, that if you and I want to be more meek, if we want to be more humble, as the NIV said, then I think these are some things that you and I can both strive to do to become a better person, to become who God has called us to do. So three principles of meek people. The first of those is the meek are teachable. So if you don't know the life of Moses, Moses had an interesting start to his life. He was born in a time where the Israelite people were held in captivity by the Egyptians. And so he was born into this time where his whole family, his whole people group are in slaves. They're in slavery and they're all slaves. And they were born, he was born at a time where there was a law put out by Pharaoh that all of the males born in this time, because he's trying to control the population, were to be killed. And so his mom does something that if you would have been told, you would have thought she was crazy because it really is a terrible idea. She was going to build a basket and put her infant son into the basket and set him in the water. And that was her plan. Like, that's not a great plan, but it actually turned out to work pretty well because someone found this basket with a baby in it, random on a Tuesday, and she goes and she gets him out and now she's going to raise him. And it turns out that the person that found him lived in Pharaoh's family. And so now he is raised in the kingdom with all of the things that are, that are afforded to him in that lifestyle. And so he goes from going to be killed as an infant found in a basket, living this incredible life. That's how Moses' life got started. And he has this moment where he loses his cool one day and he kills a guard. A guard is not being kind to other people. If you've ever seen the movie Pharaoh, the kid's cartoon movie, like that's the story that we're talking, talking about here. And so he goes and he, he kills this man. And when he does, he flees for his life and he runs out into the, the wilderness and he goes and he lives in the desert and he meets a family and he marries someone and then he works for that girl's dad taking care of his sheep out in the wilderness. And that's what he spends the next portion of his life doing. Now, God's got an incredible journey for Moses. Moses is going to do an awesome thing and we're going to get there. If you know the story, you know where we're headed. If you don't, I'm, I promise I'm not going to leave you hanging. We're going to tell you. But, but it stood out to me that Moses was in a position where he could have had authority. Like he had the ear of Pharaoh. He was living in his house. Yet God needed to send him to a desert to get him ready to lead his people. Because Moses had to learn what it meant to be teachable. Because what I see before God could come to Moses and before God could tell Moses, hey, let's go get my people out and let's go fight with Pharaoh. And then there's the 10 plagues that are gonna come and all of that. And Moses keeps going back with the confidence and the authority of God to say, hey, let God's people go. He had to go figure out how to take care of sheep and keep sheep alive in the wilderness before he could lead people in the wilderness. And so for you in your life, 
You might feel like right now you're just taking care of a bunch of dumb sheep. But here's what I challenge you with. What are you going through right now that God's preparing to use you in a future season because of it? Because here's the reality of Moses. It had to have been hot. Those sheep had to have smelled. It couldn't have been a fun job. Like, I don't think that like Forbes magazine, if it existed back then, would have listed taking care of sheep as one of the top 10 career choices of that year. But that's where he was. That's the season he found himself in. And I believe it was all because God was positioning him to a place to teach him some things that he needed to know before he could lead a bunch of people. Before you can lead people, you gotta lead sheep. So God sent Moses to the desert and he had to keep them alive and he had to figure out how to find water for sheep and how to find food for sheep and how to keep them protected from the wildlife and how to protect them and keep them rallied together and to not lose anybody before God could trust him to take a bunch of people out to the desert and have to find them water and have to feed them and have to not lose anybody. Does that make sense? And so in order to be meek, you gotta be teachable. Because Moses wasn't ready to lead people. He had to have been arrogant. He had, I mean, he had it made when he was living there. So God had to send him to the desert to teach him some things. So let me ask you this question. What areas of your life do you need to be more teachable? What are the things going on in your life that you need to just kind of take a step back and become more humble or become more meek and say, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me? right here. Maybe it's at work and you feel frustrated and you're like, man, I really do feel like I'm working with a bunch of dumb sheep. Maybe it's in school. Maybe it's at home. Like, where do you feel like God is saying, I need to teach you some things so I can take you from here to there. And more importantly than that, I can have you take some people where I want to take them. So where in your life do you need to be teachable? The second thing of the principles of meek people is the meek are mighty. The meek are mighty. The first one is that the meek are teachable. The second one is that the meek are mighty. Listen to this. In the days when battles were fought, not with airplanes and missiles and tanks, but with sabers and cannons and muskets, one of the fiercest parts of any country's army was the cavalry. And it's just a fact of life that you can't have a cavalry without horses. Those horses and the cavalry were most valuable. They were bred for strength and endurance as well as speed. They were trained in such a manner so as not to break their spirits, for they were every bit as fierce as the men who rode on their backs. Those horses were strong. They carrying the weight of, the weight of their riders for many miles. They endured the hardship of travel in the less than comfortable conditions of the battlefield. They would charge into battle right into the line of blazing muskets and thundering cannons without a thought of veering off or turning back. Now those horses were many times faster than the men who rode on their backs. Now those horses, and then they were many times stronger than the men who took them into battle, but they were willingly submitted to the will of the rider. Their mouths were sensitive to the slightest tugs on the reins, and they would instantly turn or stop or race forward, all at the will of the rider. 
the horse that possesses the quality and strength, coupled with instant obedience and submission, is said to be a meek horse. You see, when we turn from horses and we turn to people, the meek person is the person who is mighty, but doesn't have to overpower you. You think about it. Who's more powerful? The young man who gives into his rage and becomes physically or verbally abusive, or the young man who remains calm and assured of his inner strength? The real powerful person is not the one who has the dirt on someone else and uses it to destroy him, but rather it's the one who has the dirt and refuses to use it. The one who are really mighty, the really meek people, are the ones who have learned to restrain their power. They know that the real might lies in control and discipline. There are those who remain gentle while they build strength, who are merciful while they are mighty. Moses, he had been arrogant, killed a guard. He lost his cool. God took him to the desert. And he was teachable, and he learned how to have the patience to deal with the sheep. And when a sheep gets lost, to go and to find it. And when a sheep falls in a hole, how to go and to bend down and to pick it up without hurting the sheep. God taught him how to be meek, how to be this incredible leader. So then this incredible moment happens where God comes to Moses through the form of a burning bush. Moses humbles himself before God and he takes his shoes off because he was standing on holy ground and God tells him that this plan at this point. And I want you to go and I want you to speak to Pharaoh. We're going to get my people out. So Moses goes and he has this strength and he has this boldness and he has this confidence to stand before Pharaoh and say, Pharaoh, it's time. Let God's people go. And I got to imagine that first time Pharaoh probably laughed. Like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Like, get him out of here. We're not doing that. And then if you know the story, you know that that's when the first plague happens. And so Pharaoh gets angry. This happens. And so Moses comes back and he's like, hey, here I am again. Let's let God's people go. You know the story. This happens over and over and over and over and over again. Until finally the final plague kills the firstborn son of every house that the blood's not written or wiped across the top of the door. And so Pharaoh's oldest son passes and he's grieved and he's mourning. He's finally reached this point that he's so angry that he's like, get him out of here. Get all these people out. Well, Moses is leading the people out. And again, if you've ever seen the movie Pharaoh, the old cartoon movie, like you, it's kind of how I picture it in mind. They're standing at the edge of the water and they look back on the mountains and here comes Pharaoh's guys. They're coming after him. He changed his mind. Moses sticks the staff in the water and the water parts and they walk across on dry ground. And it's incredible. And it's God saving his people because they had this mighty leader who had the strength and the confidence and the boldness, but also the calmness to continually go back to Pharaoh and calmly say, hey, Pharaoh, let God's people go. I feel like if it would have been me, if I can be real honest, I don't have a ton of patience. Pretty impatient person, get frustrated pretty quickly. I got to imagine after the fourth or fifth time, I would have gone to Pharaoh and been like, listen, Like, you keep doing this, bad things are going to keep happening. Like, I would have gotten really frustrated with Pharaoh to the point that Pharaoh would have probably put the line in the sand of saying, don't allow that guy to come back in here and yell at me anymore. 
That's not how Moses approached it. He continually coming back with this meek mentality, with this inner strength, with this inner confidence of knowing God has sent him and calmly and politely would go to Pharaoh and say, hey, here I am again. Like they let him go and speak to Pharaoh at least 10 times. Here I am again. Hey, Pharaoh, it's great to see you. Happy Monday. Sorry that y'all didn't have any drinking water this past weekend. Listen, man, I'd love to help you out with this. I don't want you to have all the locusts come and eat everything. Listen, man, like, does that make sense? Like he just continually kept coming, but he was kind in the way he did it. And he was courteous in the way he did it. And he was meek and he had this inner boldness and this inner strength of I don't have to go and explode on Pharaoh because I can control it. And that leads me right to our third and our final point where it says this. It says, the meek are emotionally stable. So the first thing that meek people have to be is we have to be teachable. We have to be able to learn in the moments that God wants us to learn. And we have to be able to do the things that God wants us to do and and be in the places that God needs us to be. And then the second thing is that we have to be mighty. We have to have this inner boldness. We have to be like these horses that are willing to listen to their rider and run into battle and have this courage and have this strength to never turn back. Then at the end of the day, meek people are emotionally stable people. So Moses, he gets the people to the Red Sea, parts the Red Sea. They walk across on dry ground. After they get to the other side, the water comes back in. Pharaoh and his men can't get there anymore. It's incredible. They're saved. They're in the desert now. They're celebrating. They're free. Then they turn around and they just see desert. And so for the next 40 years, they spend a lot of time wandering around in the desert. Anybody ever been to a desert? There's like six of you. So go to the beach and walk around for like 20 minutes. Don't get in the water and just imagine like this wouldn't be a lot of fun for 40 years. And picture like that's basically what they did. And so he's got these people, he's got tens of thousands of people that are all looking at him as the leader. Hey Moses, where are we going? I don't know. Hey Moses, where are we going? Yeah, I don't really know. Hey, I got this idea. Hey, listen, everybody, I've got an announcement to make. We're going to follow this cloud. It's terrible. Like, I've got to imagine if I'm standing there and I'm just like Joe from Helm Street and I don't have a say and I'm not important at all and I'm just in the back. About 15 years in, I'm probably going to start questioning leadership. Like, what are we doing? This is the worst idea ever. Like, we're just sitting here and I'm just, what do you do all day? And I'm just going to stare at this cloud and I'm like, guys, it's moving. All right, pack it up. We're going. We spend a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Maybe we spend a whole year moving every day. Like, I don't know what it was like, but we move a little bit. Oh, the stinking cloud stopped again. All right. Set up camp, and then you just sit there and stare at the cloud, right? Like, I would have lost my mind. We drove down here Friday night, and around Valdosta on 75 South, we hit, we hit some traffic. There had been a really big thunderstorm. There was a car accident, and our, our little girl, we've got an 18-month-old, and she was losing in the backseat. 
and bless her heart, she doesn't like being in her car seat, and she was tired. We were heading to my grandmother's house, who lives just north of Gainesville. I'm like, we're never going to make it. Like, I just, I quit. Like, I don't have the patience for that kind of stuff. I was grumpy. I was tired. I was ready to get there. She was ready to get there. And imagine that's your life for 40 years. I heard someone go, oh, because you've been there with an infant in the car in traffic. It's the worst. But that's what they endured. But you know how they made it? Moses, for the most part, he had his moments, I'm sure. He was just emotionally stable. They could come to him and they could be frustrated and they could be annoyed and they could be angry and they could be hot. And I got to imagine Moses would just bring them in and sit them down in their tent and just retell the story. And you remember what it was really like. Like, I know you're saying, let's just go back. Because they did that. They said, let's go back. Slavery is better than this. And he'd sit them down. Hey, listen, come here. Put his arm around them. He'd walk with them and say, hey, it's going to be all right. We're going to get through this. God's still in control. You know how every morning you wake up and there's manna just right there? That's just God's daily reminder that he's right here with us. He's right here. Hey, it's going to be okay. And I think that if Moses would have been the same Moses that he was when he killed the guard, if he wouldn't have spent his time taking care of sheep out in that same desert, dealing with that same heat, and he wouldn't have had the confidence and the strength in everything that he learned by being mighty and the boldness that it took to go stand before Pharaoh and fight for those same people that are now ticked at him. He wouldn't have been able to stand in the desert with sweat running down his forehead and be the emotionally stable leader that every single one of them needed. And so let me ask you a question today, and we're about to wrap up. In what areas of your life do you need to be more stable? What areas of your life do you need to be more stable? Is it at home? Is it on your job? Is it with your friends? Is it towards your spouse? Like, who are you losing it on pretty regularly? What areas of your life are you just blowing up on somebody? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Like, where do you in your life need to be more emotionally stable? One of the most depressing things, one of the saddest things I think I've watched over the last, I'll say, two years. Everybody knows what the last two years have looked like, right? We don't have to go there. It's been chaos. One of the saddest things I feel like I've watched over the last two years is the decline, the decline of passion and care that I've seen from the church. I don't mean this church. I mean capital C church, the American church, Christians in America. The decline of passion and compassion and love that I've seen from Christians. Not pointing fingers at anybody in this room. I'm talking about people, Christians in Georgia. Christians in Florida, they're different. (laughs) Christians, I'll just talk about them for a minute. But the lack of love that I've seen and the lack of patience towards people and the lack of compassion that I've seen, it's been heartbreaking to me. 
And as I've watched from whether it's a political argument or a argument about the sanctity of life or anywhere in between, let your imagine run wild. What I've witnessed is a boldness to argue. A boldness to be a what I would refer to as keyboard warrior. To always find the fight. And to always jump into the argument. And to always have to be right. We all know somebody like that. We've all met someone like that. And, and it's broken my heart. Because what I've seen is time and time again, I've seen the Christians that we're supposed to have the hope of the world. We carry Jesus who doesn't just love me because I voted the way I vote and doesn't just love me because I believe about different things the way I believe, but he loves all of them. He loves the people that voted opposite of me. He loves the people that believe differently about different things and do different things. He loves them as much as he loves me. But as a Christian, myself and Pastor Blake and every other pastor in America aren't the only ones that were challenged and called by the Great Commission to go into this world and proclaim the good news. That was the challenge and that was the call for every one of us. And I believe as Christians, we are supposed to be called and we're supposed to leave the, live this meek life that Jesus is calling us to when he says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the kingdom of the earth. And if we're supposed to be meek people, and we're supposed to be people that are teachable, then we gotta be learning things and not just listening to what we think are the experts. Go learn it for yourself. And if we're supposed to be meek people and patient people and loving people and kind people, then we need to have this internal mightiness and in this eternal thing and not this outward expression of aggression all the time because I'm right. At the end of the day, people are going to look at people that are emotionally stable. Last statistic I heard, I think, that one in four American adults right now are in either anxiety or depression medicine. In America, one out of every four. I think that's the statistic I heard late. And so emotions are everywhere and instability is everywhere. And, and that's not to point fingers. Everybody deals with that at one level or another or about one thing or another. But everybody's looking to who is the emotionally stable? Where, where can I find stability? And it breaks my heart that when we should be able to look at the Christians, we're not finding that emotional stability. And so as I stand here today and I'm about to wrap up in just a moment, what areas of your life can you be more stable, not for you, but for the people that I pray can follow you to find Jesus. We've always said it a thing at the church that I spent a lot of time on staff at, that if someone walked in and they said, how do I understand what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus? The hope and the goal is, is that I can find someone that's in that church that I can point to and I can just say, he's not gonna be perfect, but if you can just follow Blake, 
If you can just see how he is in his marriage and see how he treats people and the love and the kindness that he shows his neighbors and the things, if you can just follow Blake, you'll see what it looks like to be a Christian. My challenge to you today is I believe that looks like being a meek person. My challenge to you is to go and be that. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. First and foremost, I don't ever stand on a platform without giving someone the opportunity to enter into a relationship with Jesus if you're not currently in one. I believe it's the greatest decision that you could ever make in your entire life. Being in a relationship with Jesus is my best decision I've ever made. And so today, if you're in the room and you would say, I am a sinner in need of a savior, I admit, I believe, and then I come to God. If that's you today, I just want you to lift your hand and then you can put it right back down. We're gonna pray in just a moment for everybody that lift their hand. The second thing today is maybe you're in the room and whether it's you need to be more teachable or you need to be more mighty and have this internal boldness or you need to be like this last point we talked about, and you need to be way more patient with people and way more loving towards people and way more forgiving towards people, and you need to have this internal peace. And so if either of those three points, if you just say today, I need to just be a more meek person, if you just lift your hand, several hands, thank you so much. God, we love you. God, we thank you. God, I pray right now, first and foremost, for every person that lifted their hand that said that today's the day I want to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. God, Scripture tells us, and I believe that when one person makes that decision, that all of heaven celebrates that. And so, God, today we celebrate with them that all they have to do is admit they need a Savior, believe in their heart, and confess their sins to you. So God, we thank you for those that have made that decision today. And God, secondly, I pray first and foremost for myself because I find myself in the same boat that many in this room did, that God, I need to be a more meek person. And God, I pray that same prayer for every single person in this room, that for every one of us, God, that we would wanna draw closer to you today and we would wanna have a better example of what it looks like to be teachable. So God, help us to be teachable today. God, if we have to spend a season in a desert with sheep, God, let it be so, so that you can use us to advance your kingdom and reach the people that are without you. And God, I pray for those that need to be more mighty, that they need to have this internal boldness, this courage, this meekness to go and to stay the statements that they need to say and stand before our pharaohs and to do the things that we need to do in peace and in love and in compassion towards others. And God, I pray finally for those of us in the room that need to be more emotionally stable. God, help stability to be something that is a rooted part of our life. God, help us to be stable for those around us. God, don't let us go chasing arguments and finding fights to fight and to jump right into the middle of, but God, help us to just love people. God, that's what you called us to do. You didn't call us to come to earth to fight your battles for you, but God, you sent us to love others. And so God, help us to do that. Help us to be the emotional, stable leader like Moses was in the desert with all these people, that it was someone that we could turn to, that when I felt like I was losing my mind, there's someone I can talk to. 
God, let us be that for the people in our lives that you have placed us there for. God, be with everyone in this room. God, bless this church. Thank you for what it is doing in this community and the people's lives that are affected daily because of the mission that you have Christ walk on. The best days are ahead for what you are gonna do, not the people are gonna do in this house. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Everybody said, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.